Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Vixens podcast here if you need. I'm Sherelle McMahon, and we are lucky enough to have this podcast brought to us each and every week by Deakin University, who are great partners of ours. Now, uh, you may be just a little bit surprised to see me uh, in the seat driving the Here If You Need podcast. Unfortunately, our great mate Clint Stanaway is a bit of a late scratching a late withdrawal, um, as we know with uh, this COVID-19 pandemic and everything that's going on with that, um, it does make it challenging. And he's uh, had some uh, lots of stuff going on at work. So we've allowed him the morning off. Um, but what I am very, very excited to do is to be able to introduce one of my old teammates who is going to join me for the podcast today. And it actually is one of the things that we're going to be doing across the season this year. We'll be talking to some of the current Vixens who, of course, are up in the Queensland hub at the moment, uh, living their best life, uh, <laughs> waiting for this season to, to continue on. But the other thing that we're going to do is catch up with some of our former Vixens superstars. and. None come much bigger than this one. And as I mentioned, she's one of my former teammates, a great mate of mine. It's Julie Coletto. Jules, thanks for joining us. Hey, Shaz. Thanks for, thanks for being here. It's good to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were just saying before, you're looking out the window, you've got hail all over the ground, which is <laughs> a little bit I look out my window. I'm not that far away from you and it's sunshine, but that's just Melbourne for you, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, absolutely it is. You know, we're down on the Mornington Peninsula here and it's beautiful one day and, uh, yeah, hail the next. But, um, yeah, it is it is what it is. And, um, you know, as long as we're all safe and staying at home inside and nice and warm. So the hail can happen outside and, yeah, green up the... You know, green up the the garden. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right, and we are all tucked away. I guess um, the first thing we'll chat to you about is um, what's been happening in Melbourne, in particular here, how it's affected your life. Obviously, we've just had uh, the recent um, increase of the restrictions into to a, a level four for for this. COVID situation. How has life been for you and um, your two beautiful young kids? Yeah, it's um, interesting. Um, so obviously with the new restrictions coming in, that means daycare will be cancelled for them, I think. Um, we are just chatting, you know, before we went to the record on this that maybe it won't, maybe it will. We'll just have to get clarification out of that. And kinder's off as well. So my little boy's in three-year-old kinder. So he'll be shattered. I actually haven't broken the news to him yet because he absolutely loves it and he's made some good little kinder mates. So <laughs> we will break the news soon. But, um, you know, different times for us. I'm in the spare bedroom because our home office, the husband's taken over that. So um, he's been home for 12 weeks or so. So working from home, have to be quiet when he's on his zoom calls and his phone calls which is a little bit challenging with the kids but um we're pretty lucky down here we've got a, a backyard with a slide and swings and you know doing obstacle courses for the kids like i saw you do with yours so just trying to keep the kids active outside burn their energy so then they sleep well at night i'm happy to inspire you jules that's good yes. and what about that how's it going what i know you had a bit of a um he's had a couple of shifts with what he's doing what's what's he up to at the moment and what is it like having him in the house with you all the time? <laughs> yeah, um, so he's working in finance now at Latrobe Financial and he loves that job. He loves that role that he's in. But, um, yeah, a little bit different at home. I just had, I had to tell him that I think it's okay if you can hear a few kids in the background because at the very start uh, when he was on his phone calls and his Zooms, it had to be like <laughs> silence. So I felt right. like I was living at home on eggshells, you know, with the two, <laughs> with the two kids, which wasn't much fun, but, you know, it's all right. So... 
he might be home for a bit longer though um, at the moment. So I think he's enjoying not commuting into the city though. So um, yeah, he's always yeah. a positive unit. So, and he gets to spend well, a lot more thing. time with the kids. And we do need to look for silver linings, don't we? That, yeah. is, that is the absolute truth of it. Um, Absolutely. Because it is, it is challenging in some ways. And, and I've, I often, and in fact, I probably today will have one of my children come in and dance <laughs> in the background of a, of a Zoom meeting. I'm sure we've all been there. So yes. I'm glad that Dad has kind of relaxed on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the netball because we finally got the season underway. I'm not sure if you felt the same way as a lot of us and w- waiting for this Suncorp Super Netball season to get underway. Are you still engaged with that? Did you watch? What did you think? Yeah, I am. Um, I sent the girls a text on Saturday and said, all the best for your game today. So clearly a day out, <laughs> mum life, you know, what, you know what it's like. I was like, oh, no. Close. That was I, close. I saw the, yeah, I saw the games were starting and, uh, yeah, no, I had the wrong day. But the games are on, um, like I was saying to you before, Shaz, with the little kids, you know, you, you put ABC kids on one TV and then you watch netball on the other. So it was <laughs> yeah. just good to see them playing, though. And obviously it's a lot different without the fans in the stands. And whilst it's disappointing, it's um, obviously good that they can play like the AFL um, you know, having them up in the hubs. And I know the girls have obviously done a massive pre-season, probably the biggest pre-season ever. So they would just be, you know, loving being out on court. And, you know, with the different rules um, that have been implemented into the game this year, that was a little bit different to see with the subs and the, you know, the, the points at the end of the quarter there as well. So it's, a, it's a, you know, forever evolving and changing. And, um, yeah, I've only been out of the game for five years, but I'm a bit old now and all these rules are <laughs> past me. <laughs> It doesn't take long, Jules, for it to feel like you've been out for the for a long, yeah. long time. But let's chat about that because, you know, it has been a big talking point, the, the different rule changes that we've seen. Um, we've got the rolling subs um, and, you know, one of the biggest ones probably that would have had an impact on you is the, the super shot, the two-point shot. Um, how did you see that play out? And, and when you're sitting at home, do you kind of strategize on how you would defend it? What, what would you yeah. do, do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting one. When I first heard about it, I was like, oh, that, that sucks for defenders. Like, that's not fair. You must, yeah. you must have loved it. Did you love it when they added that? Oh, look, to be honest, Jules, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. So yeah. I'm, I'm not, but I'm trying to keep an open mind. And, yes. yeah. you know, there, there were some nice long shooting. There was some nice long shooting on the weekend. So I'm not against yeah. that. But, yeah, yeah, definitely challenging for the strategies for the defence oh, because it's yeah. so different. That mindset is normally keep everyone away from the post, but yeah. it's kind of flipped on its head in that time, isn't it? I know. It's an interesting one. Yeah, when they first released the, that rule change, Daz, you know, husband who was a, an ex-basketball shooter, he was like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, not. Especially in the last five minutes of the quarter when you think you're working, you know, you shoot it into the ground, they're getting a bit tired and then they can pop out there and get two points so that's unfair but <laughs> it is what it is it, it's you know it's um exciting I guess for people to see these changes in the in the game and I think it will be interesting because in the Vixens game that I saw more of on the weekend um you know do you go for that shot outside and back yourself or do you just you know keep putting the scoreboard pressure on and getting the easy basket underneath the ring so you know it will be a little bit of strategy and what defenders do because you know you always like to push them out to the top of the circle to shoot out there unless you're playing on you know Maria Falau who would have absolutely dominated <laughs> the, the <laughs> super point I think so um yeah it's, it's an interesting one or do you just yeah like I said just keep putting the scoreboard pressure on and just get the one points instead of trying for the two and possibly missing and then you know, going down the other end and 
yeah, it's um, yeah, so it's, it's a little bit different, but it's exciting for the game to have these changes, I suppose. But different from an international point of view too, because it's not the traditional netball, and it will be interesting from an international level what they're looking at with like the the goalers in terms of their volume and things like that, because that might play a little bit into in you know, yeah their, their shooting percentages and how many points they're getting per game and things like that. Where on the international stage, it's a little bit different. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating, Jules, hearing your thought process, even as you're just sitting there, as to the, the impact it would have and the, the changes you would make. Um, is it something that you do a bit of, sit and watch the netball and analyse it and um, yeah. come to the Vixens games? Are you, are you still engaged in that way with the club? Yeah, well, um, I was really planning on getting to some this year, even with my daughter, Zara, because she yeah. runs around with her little netballs and like, came on the other day and they're like, oh, netball, that's what you play. And, you know, mum really yeah. loves to go too. So I had yeah. all these games highlighted in the draw, but unfortunately that's not to be this year. But um, obviously next year she'll be that bit older. She's only two, so she'd probably get a bit tired <laughs> by the time the game's on anyway, a bit distracted. So, But, um, no, they love their sport and they love playing outside and, you know, the only thing is, it's funny with Sarah, though, is when you say, oh, what are you going to do when you're older? Oh, she goes, oh, I'll play netball. Oh, what do you do when you play netball? I shoot. So she's a shooter. <laughs> yes. Good work, Sarah. I like I it. I think Daz has been in the ear. Yeah. Send them my way. It's all right. We'll do some, yeah. do some shooting. Yeah, that's great to hear. And, and I've got to mention, and I know um, from a fan perspective, it has been really challenging um you know it's been challenging for everyone this situation on many many levels but from a fan perspective when you're trying to support um a club that you love a lot and we, we have got such great supporters with the melbourne vixens that hasn't changed from your time jules um fantastic fans and you know i know it's challenging sometimes when the games aren't necessarily um on at the times we want but we you know i'm really excited that the season's underway um, and really excited to see um, that continue to happen. And who knows what will happen at the back end of the season. Um, we may not get, in, get any games here in Melbourne, but I think, you know, hearing that support um, is really important from everyone and, and trying to keep engaged with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I know the girls up in the hub, they'll appreciate that support and they'll know how tough it is, you know, for everyone back home in Victoria with these new restrictions we've got as well. But they'll feel that through the fans, you know, sending their messages up to the girls. So I encourage all the Vixen fans to get out there and keep sending your messages. And like you said, maybe towards the end of the season, we might get some games back here in Melbourne. But at the moment, you know, we can just support the girls as much as we can up there, watching their games, sending them messages of support. It's obviously hard for them too because they can't have their family and friends and mm. all the fans at the game. So they're playing in front of empty stadiums. So it's a different challenge for them with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's for sure. Now, you mentioned a name that I actually did want to chat to you about, Maria Falau. Um, anyone who has watched your career uh, would know the amazing tussles that you had with her across your career and, and the journey. Um, what was it like playing on her? Um, she, as you mentioned, she's such a great long-range shooter. She probably had a, quite a different style from many other goalers that you came up against. Was it something that you relished or was it um, something that you were terrified of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably a little bit of both. I think, um, <laughs> you know, I don't like talking about my career much on these things. I think this is all about the girls that are playing, you know, no, it's not. the weekend. No, it's not. we want to talk to about <laughs> you too. <laughs> we'll go a little, you know, we go a little bit back and I think, 
um, you know, I was really fortunate um, as a junior to start with, you know, in Victoria coming up the best and I'm looking straight at her and I'm talking to her now. Um, so training against you, Shaz, like put me in good stead for, you know, the, to the future of my netball. And I think you have to make the most of those opportunities when you're coming up against the best on a daily basis. And the best thing was I had you on my side. So when it came to game day, you're on my team. And then when I went over and played in New Zealand, um, it was a bit like training against Maria on a daily basis too. But then, um, you know, I had her on my side when we played, but then the fortunate thing was I got to know a bit more about her game and then obviously played against yeah. her when I was with the Diamonds. So, yeah, like I said before, that the super the super goal, is that what it's called? I should super really, shot. Super shot, sorry. There you yeah. go. <laughs> a bit out of it. Super shot. Um, yeah, like she would really relish off that super shot. And, you know, I know like a few things she said to me when I was training with her, she's like, I hate defending it, you know. So I was like, cool, that's awesome. So when we well, got yeah, a turnover, I had to kind of, yeah, um, you know, make the most of the opportunity that she hated following me up the court. And she'd say to me that I was like a human backpack and, you know, there was certain things that um, she'd tell me and I was like, oh, I'll keep that one, you know, for, for later and, and use that. So, yeah, I think it's just, you know, I love training against the best like yourself and Maria. So because I think it helped my game. Um, yeah, in the long term. Well, there was no doubt that I was always happy that you were on my team, Jules, when you were. Uh, it was very, very sad when you went and played for the competition, I've got to say. Um, so one of those times that you had, I mean, you've had so many amazing experiences over your career. And this is what this is about, Jules, getting you back and talking hey. a little bit about your... It is. It is. So um, I wanted to ask you about um, the 2015 World Championship, which was an incredible event in Sydney. Um Tell us about your experience with that because I don't know how many people know this, but you ended up playing that final, which the Diamonds won and won really strongly and convincingly with a broken foot. Um, and, you know, that is one small piece of uh, the puzzle that is your body. And I spent a lot of time watching you in rehab, coming back from different injuries, and I've never seen anyone approach their rehab like you did and how strong and determined you were in that space talk to us about what it is like a what what it was like in in that finals but also from that rehab perspective a lot of people listening would be going through injuries and different things what it's like and that mindset that you have to have yeah um well that final was obviously yeah it was like you said it was a great again great game it was a fairy tale ending for me because I'd announced my retirement from netball and um you know, to get the gold medal, um, obviously breaking my foot was not ideal. Um, but I had, that was my last season in netball. And to be honest, that whole season was really tough. Um, and majority of my day was spent on rehabbing my knees and everything. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a tough year. I was living up in uh, Sydney at the time playing with the Swifts. Um, we Actually, we got through to the grand final, lost that by a goal, got smacked in the nose, got a broken nose in the grand final, and then got thought I just got, you know, someone just stood on my foot. But, you know, we lost the game. So I was like, oh, you're just being a sook. Stop whinging about your nose and stop whinging about your foot. You'll be right. Um, it probably just hurt more because we lost. And um, then a couple of days later, got the, the got the phone call from Lisa Alexander to say I'd, you know, been announced in the, the World Cup team. So I had to shift my focus to, you know, mm -hmm. right preparation for the World Cup. And it was a little bit different because then I had scans on my foot that detected a stress reaction. So mm -hmm. I had to go into a moon boot. And training was really different leading into that World Cup, like you would know, Shaz, 
Um, it's really hard not to be at every single training and train mm. with the girls on court. I find I found that mentally really, really hard. Tried not to, you know, let the girls know that, but mm. I hated not being out there with them. And I did everything I could to keep myself fit off the court and keep the ball skills up and things like that. But there's nothing quite like training with your teammates. And yeah. that was hard leading into the tournament. And then I had my moon boot on heading into the tournament and me mentally thought, right, as soon as we get to Sydney, the moon boot goes off, your foot's fine. That was my mental process. Um, And then Lisa, you know, um, was with my load going into the finals. I didn't play every single game. I I played the the whole game of the semi-final and I was in all sorts. My foot was so fat. It was, I had padding on either side of my, um, the bone that ended up snapping to try and take the pressure off. I was getting injections before the game that weren't really helping because you can't really numb a bone all the muscle around you know all the muscles around my foot were numb and I couldn't really feel my foot but um <laughs> yeah um yeah managed to get it in the shoe before the grand final and we got a really good start that was that was great the first quarter was awesome and then yeah 20 seconds into the second quarter pushed off to try and get around in front of Maria and yeah felt the snap and I thought that's not great but um I kept going I thought Lisa will take me off if I'm not doing my job so and yeah it it worked out well we got the gold medal and had a good celebration (laughs) that night and I just put the foot back in a moon boot for a lot you know many weeks after that to let it heal (laughs) did it feel was it sore once you felt it Mm. you said you felt it snap did it then yeah become sore it did um it was really sore um my brother and sister knew exactly when I did it. I don't think Daz did. I think he was distracted with the boys in the stand, <laughs> probably having a beer or something. Um, but, yeah, my brother and sister, they both saw exactly when I did it and they could tell. Um, and, yeah, it was. But, like, by that stage, oh, like, yeah, it was a surreal feeling. Like, it was an incredible environment in there, like, with all the fans and having a World Cup on home soil and you know my friends and family and it's my last ever game in netball so I was just going to keep going till I literally couldn't walk and that's pretty much what happened (laughs) (laughs) you pretty much couldn't walk going off I've got to tell you Jules I mean we could chat to you for hours with your career and what you've been able to do but you know that that is an incredible story and it is it really just um, tells everyone the mindset that you had. And, you know, you, you talk about the challenges that go along with not being able to train. You were literally in a moon boot right up until you went into that World Cup. And to be able to then switch into going out and doing the job on pretty much the world's best goal attack um, and, and doing the job for your team is really incredible. And you should be really proud of that. And I love hearing those stories. You're, you're so blase about it. You're like, oh, yeah, and then I felt my foot crack, and, but I kept going. It's, it's, it is amazing. It's really no. inspirational. Oh, thanks, Shaz. But I think something throughout all of my injuries, and it's probably something I learned from yourself as well with the, you know, the couple of injuries you had and some of the other people around me was shifting your focus to what you can do and what you do have control over opposed to mm. those things you can't do because if you invest your time on you know all the things you can't do and the things your body won't allow you to do it just will get you down more so it's about asking questions and what can I do you know so just having that attitude going forward because I think that will help you have a positive mindset going forward with what you can do opposed to focusing on the negatives yeah no that is a really good point and and, and it can be tricky in those tough times and I mean probably mm-hmm. we're, we're experiencing that in in a much bigger way than we ever did during our career and um, while it can 
get frustrating and there's no doubt that we will all have tough days no matter what we're experiencing and particularly at the moment if we can focus on those good things and try and stay positive it can it can legitimately have a really big impact on on the outcome for you um jules we one of the things we're lucky enough to be able to do on um, this podcast is uh, to have some fan questions. I spoke about the fans a little bit earlier and their engagement with the club and that continued support that we're feeling from them. Um, so what I want to do is to jump into that um, because, um, yeah, we want to hear from the fans and what they want to know from you. Uh, before we did do, though, I, I did mention before that Deakin University is a great supporter of ours and digital is in Deakin University's DNA with 40 years of experience in distance and online learning. Discover why they're the number one Australian public university for overall educational experience. Premium, proven, loved. Study online at Deakin. Obviously, um, Deakin and the support that they give to us um, is very, very appreciated. Um, and we love that they're involved with the podcast. Now, Julie, as I said, we've got some fan questions coming through. Um, this one comes in from Keely. Um, and I always love to know this too, because sometimes the nutrition side of things is, is quite interesting with elite athletes. What was your favourite before game snack? Mm, that's a good one. Favourite yeah. before game <laughs> snack. Oh, that is a good one. It, oh, I think it really depends on when I was playing. Um, yeah. Like quite often if it was an afternoon game, like a two o'clock game or something like that, I'd load up on a big breakfast and then I'd kind of have a snack leading in and it might be... Um, like pretty much just like something like a muesli bar or a piece of fruit, an apple or something like that because I hated to play feeling really bloated. So that's why I'd have yep. a bigger brekkie. Um, but sometimes I'd go in a little bit underdone and you'd have a sore stomach after the game because you hadn't really <laughs> had enough. Um, but, yeah, or, or sometimes if there's enough time before the game, some yoghurt and some muesli on top, something like that would yeah, be right. good. There you go. There's some good tips for all those young players out there or or maybe not so young uh, wanting to know what the right thing is when we do get back into playing sport. Um, this one comes from Shaz, although it's not me, Jules. I've got to say, I promise you. <laughs> Are you sure? You had enough questions for me. This one comes from Shaz, though. Um, and, and this is a really good one as well because, you know, netball and playing netball and being an athlete was such a huge part of your life. But Shaz wants to know what you miss about playing for the Vixens and the Diamonds. What do you miss most? Hi, Shaz. Hi. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I just miss being around the girls all the time, to be honest, um, and having to organise catch-ups. Suddenly that's different. That's why I loved playing netball in a team sport to, you know, see whether it was the Vixen girls or the Diamond girls and just having that regular contact um, at training and then training together like you'd push each other um, you know there's no better motivation than working with your teammates and making each other better athletes individually and then together as a team and the celebrations as well when you have this success um, is always really really fun um, and then obviously going through the challenging times together as well you bounce off each other and you support each other through so um, yeah just the team aspect of being around the girls um, and you don't have to organize it whereas now you have to organize to see everyone <laughs> <laughs> well you have to organize catch-ups but you also have to organize yourself um from a physical training point of view you know you know getting active and um you know that was always laid out for us um that was yes. kind of one of the challenges that I'm probably still grappling with um so Lucy this is another question from Lucy how do you get motivated during ISO during isolation and I guess that's from 
um, that that physical perspective, but also just from a general perspective as well. Yep. Okay, Lucy, I, I feel you. Sometimes the motivation gets a little <laughs> bit hard, even um, not in isolation. So it is tough, but I must admit I love, obviously not on days like today because it's a bit gloomy here, but um, getting out, getting fresh air um, when you can in your hour of exercise now. So I'll just run around the block, go a different route when you get a little bit bored of running the same route all the time. <laughs> I'll um, take the kids out. Um, I'll shove Cooper in the pram so I can walk fast to get some exercise <laughs> with the dog. Um, and we're lucky enough in our garage to have a gym set up so that's been my savior through ISO so I put my little one to bed it's really bad Cooper has a bit too much screen time I'll put a movie on for Cooper he can just have some rest time and then um, I'll go in and do some exercise often um, you know the husband might have a little break at the same time and we get competitive in our training still trying oh, I'm sure you do I can imagine that actually <laughs> I can imagine oh, yeah make sure we're not cheating and not you know getting off 10 seconds earlier and things like that so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that keeps us going <laughs> yeah um Jules this is one you you mentioned that you did move across to New Zealand uh part way through your career and then um after post your career post the world cup you moved to England so and you're up in Sydney you've kind of moved around quite a bit and Les wants to know what those moves were like what was it like going across to New Zealand and shifting your life across to those different countries yeah. Um, hi, Les. Thanks for your questions. So it was interesting times. Um, the reason I moved to New Zealand was my husband signed a basketball contract over there. So he played for the New Zealand Breakers and he was there a year earlier than I was over there. Um, I tried to go at the same time, to be honest, but it wasn't allowed by the Vixens. Um, <laughs> I still had a, con a year on my contract to go and it's hard being apart from your partner, um, hence the reason why I wanted to head over there. And But at the same time, it was challenging going into a new team. Um, but the the Kiwis they're so friendly like they're they're awesome they were really good they were really inviting and really welcoming we loved it we actually bought a house over in New Zealand so ended up Daz was over there for three years um, but the netball side of it was a little bit frustrating if I have to be honest because mm. I don't think the standards are quite what they what I was used to like at the Vixens and um, with the standards we have in Australia Australian netball and just in terms of um, the training ethic and things like that um, a little bit different and it was quite interesting to see the way they approach things over there so that was a bit of a learning curve for me um, and I probably spoke up a bit more and I probably I guess became a little bit more of a leader over there as well because it was frustrating me because I was used to the expectations we had back in Australia and I was trying to put those in the team over there and yeah just little frustrations that I had to deal with and like I said we didn't have you know successful years over there when I was over there and mm. yeah then moved back and played my last year in Sydney um I was looking to come back to the Vixens but uh it was full with all defenders so you have to go <laughs> where the opportunity um yeah. presents itself and so I had to go up to the Swifts but that was fun playing with um Sean, so another Victorian up there um and had Rob Wright as a coach so that was a different experience for me too because I was literally up there alone um my husband was back here playing for United at the time so yeah, but we had a really good year, like I mentioned before, got through the grand final, unfortunately lost, and then, yeah, had the, the World Cup in Sydney as well. So that was lots of fun. And then uh, my husband decided to sign a contract in the UK. He always wanted to, and he was just waiting until I retired so we could go together. <laughs> so that's okay. why we went to the UK after I finished playing netball, and that was, that was an interesting experience. <laughs> yeah, so basketball wasn't that great over there. Um, interesting, challenging times for him. Um, but, 
yeah, it was, it, it was, I think it's good to experience, experience those things. It certainly builds your resilience and, you know, the, the way, and you, I think you appreciate things much more too when you're put in difficult situations. So yeah, let's just say we're happy to be home. <laughs> <laughs> happy to have found your way back into yes. Melbourne and, you know, what, what an incredible opportunity that you've been given through playing netball. You know, you've moved all over the world and um, experienced great things. I, I, you probably didn't think about that when you were a young girl who started playing. Kiara wants to know what age that was. How old were you when you started playing netball? It's a good question. Um, so I was up in Kerrang. So I grew up in um, country Victoria, up in between Swanhill and Echuca. <laughs> yeah. So I would have been about nine, I think. And I remember we just went to the stadium. They literally had a washing basket with the bibs in it and then put it out on court <laughs> and you just pop the bib on like any bib. And it, back then it was like net a netball. So it wasn't net set go, which they've got now, but it was a similar thing. We just mixed the positions and yeah. And I started playing because my older sister played and my mum played as well. So I just wanted to copy them. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. Well, um, that's cool, Jules. I think we've kind of come to the end of our, um, we've, we had lots more questions actually for you, but we've only got a certain amount of time that we can get through. So thank you everyone for sending your questions in for Julie and for engaging in the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. This has been great to, to hear all about your story. Jules, um, I did want to give a shout out to a new concept that's been put forward by the Vixens this year, and that is the Vixens Live. It's on the Vix Melbourne Vixens Facebook page. It's on seven o'clock on Thursdays. And I do think one of your uh, good mates and um, uh, partner in crime, Bianca Chatfield, is going to be uh, co-hosting that along with Pete Laser uh, on Thursday. I think that's been locked in. So everyone tune into that. Um, it's a great way to get a bit of an insight into Hub Life up in Queensland. We'll be hopefully getting in there, getting some information about how they're going. We'll be looking at the games and what's coming up um, so make sure you're tuning in to the Melbourne Vixens Facebook page at 7 o'clock on Thursdays to check that out. And one of the games, um, I'm sure one of the things I'll be talking about, as we did, Jules, is last week's game, but also what's coming up. It's just been confirmed round two will be against the Firebirds, and that will be on Saturday this Saturday at three o'clock, that'll be on Channel 9, of course, uh, which will be great for, for uh, the Melbourne girls to be able to play on Channel 9 and for all our fans to be able to really get a good look at that. Round three, I think at this stage, although things can always change, that's the reality of uh, our situation at the moment, but round three um, has at the moment is uh, the Lightning. We're playing against the Lightning and that will be that midweek game. So uh, we are starting with these midweek games and, of course, um, with the midweek games, all of those uh, will be on the face on the Netball Live app and on Telstra TV. So that's how you can get your eyes on that, which is exciting. I know it's challenging when we can't see them on Channel 9 all the time. Um, but working out that broadcast piece when the season shifted so significantly has been a, a, a big challenge for everyone. So um, it will be great just to see them out there doing their thing. Um, Jules, it has been so great to catch up with you. Thank you so much. Um, I know uh, some of the Phoenix girls we played way back in those days as well catch up. Uh, we did a little Zoom catch up um, with the group. Um, in the first isolation so we might have to jump on and do another one it'd be great to talk to you then um, and I did want to shout out to you too with your um, you do have some coaching and clinics that you run um, for juniors in particular juliecoletto.com 
obviously that's not up and running at the moment, I'm assuming, but <laughs> when we come out of this period, I'm sure that that's something that you'll get back into. Yes, it will be. Thanks, Shaz. Um, yeah, it was good to be here today. And like you said, hopefully we'll have another Zoom with all the old Phoenix girls. That was lots of fun last time. But yeah, just um, sending lots of my support up to the girls up in the hub. Um, all the best to the Vixen girls for their next game up against the reigning champs. And hopefully they'll have a good one. And yeah, it, to all the Vixen fans, just stick behind the girls, show them your support, and hopefully they'll get back to having some games in Melbourne at the end of the season. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Julian. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Melbourne Vixens podcast here, if you need, with thanks to Deakin University. Bye. At Deakin, digital is in our DNA. With 40 years of experience in distance and online learning, discover why we're the number one Australian public university for overall educational experience. Premium, proven, loved. Study online at Deakin. Applications closing soon.